News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Good morning, Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath. Minister, could you please explain to us about the legislation that was approved yesterday by Cabinet? What does it going to mean for people trying to access cash? Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for having me on. So the primary purpose of the legislation that I published yesterday uh, following government approval is to ensure that there is reasonable access to cash across our society and our economy. I think we can all accept that uh, the trend of digitalisation of payments uh, will continue. It accelerated uh, during COVID where we saw a very significant reduction in uh, the use of cash and withdrawals from ATM machines. But uh, access to cash remains important for many people uh, in society. Uh, I think it helps us to avoid the risk of financial exclusion. And my concern was that in the absence of an intervention by government, we would see more and more ATM machines being withdrawn from around the country. And so this bill is to prevent that. It is to ensure that the level of access to cash that we had across the country at the end of 2022 uh, is preserved and that we will now for the first time regulate uh, ATM operators, uh, cash and transit providers. And so to ensure that that experience we've all had of going to perhaps a second or a third ATM before we find one working uh, because it's out of service, that those issues are kept to an absolute minimum. So ATMs will now be uh, preserved uh, and they will be regulated so that we have good customer service standards uh, in terms of the the maintenance and the upkeep of those uh, ATMs around the country. I should say that allied to all of this then in parallel, we are developing a national payment strategy, which in effect, if you pardon the pun, deals with the other side of the coin, which is your ability to use cash. So the the, uh, issue of whether uh, certain retail outlets providing um, essential goods or services uh, should be obliged to accept cash if that is uh, the choice of payment uh, by a consumer. And that uh, process is out to public consultation at the moment uh, and that's open until the 14th of February. But yesterday's bill is focused on your ability to access your own cash. Okay. So so coming back to the issues of ATM, I, I know you've spoken about you don't want to see anyone financially excluded. You want to allow people to, to properly budget for themselves, which they might be better able to do if they had cash in their pocket. And indeed, I suppose, protect us against things like digital banking outages. Those are the, the main reasons. But is this an issue around the country? I mean, I, I live in a relatively urbanised area. There's quite a number of ATMs and, and I haven't seen this. But is this, I know there's a regional angle to this. Has this been an issue in, in certain parts of the country? Uh, Yes, it has been. And uh, we have uh, certainly had complaints and heard uh, different community representatives around the country uh, complain about the withdrawal of of ATM services. Uh, So I think it is important that we uh, would intervene. The pillar banks, I believe, have sold about 1,200 ATMs to independent operators over the last number of years. Uh, Yes, some ATMs have been sold, but those now will be captured by uh, this legislation. And so we are imposing a number of obligations here on uh, the financial institutions. So the banks, in effect, are uh, the backstop. They are the guarantor of ensuring that we have a sufficient network of ATMs uh, around the country. And so what we are requiring here is that for each region, and the country is divided into eight regions, we've used uh, uh, an EU statistical classification of, of, of regions in Ireland 
Ireland. So there are eight regions and we are putting in place a requirement in relation to the number of ATMs per 100,000 population. And then secondly, uh, the percentage of the population in each region that must be within 10 kilometres uh, of an ATM. And so with those two requirements, uh, the purpose here is to ensure okay. uh, that people have reasonable access, may not necessarily be on their doorstep, but they have reasonable access to uh, an ATM ah. machine. And then they have a guarantee that those ATM machines are going to be maintained uh, with and good customer service standards. That's what I was going to ask you lastly on this issue of ATMs. What kind of sanctions will be put in place, for example, if it is the case that, that the ATMs aren't being regularly refilled and as you say, people could go to them and maybe go to one or two and, and find that both are out of service, what kind of sanctions will you be using? So in the event of a breach and a formal sanction procedure being taken by the central bank, so the central bank will be the enforcer here, then you're into the administrative sanctions regime where uh, you can ultimately have very significant financial fines. I wouldn't anticipate us getting to that point. Uh, The banks have participated in this process. They know it's a priority for government. And while we all recognise the increasing trend towards digitalisation of payments, for many people, access to cash remains important and that's why we are protecting the ATM network around the country and we're ensuring that the ATMs are going to be uh, properly regulated. I should add on this issue as well, there is a provision for a local deficiency that where a community feels uh, that that there is a deficiency, they don't have access to an ATM and because of geography or whatever they have, a very difficult journey uh, to access cash at an ATM, they can uh, raise that issue with the central bank and there will be provision for the central bank to to conclude uh, that an ATM ATM should be required in that community and then one of the banks has to step up and provide okay. one. Very lastly on this, uh, charges at ATMs, some of those independent ATMs, there is actually a reasonably significant charge to use them. Is, is anything going to be done about that? So charges arise in two respects. One is the transaction fee, which uh, is charged by your bank. And that is the subject of regulation at the moment uh, in the form of the Consumer Credit Act. Uh, We don't have access fees uh, in terms of ATM machines uh, in Ireland. Now, people who um, are Irish and go abroad have experienced large access fees uh, or people coming to Ireland from abroad uh, can have access fees imposed on them but people in Ireland using their Irish card are not charged access fees at the ATMs here. Uh, That's because of uh, a rule that the the card companies Visa and MasterCard have uh, introduced but in the event that that changes and access fees as distinct from transaction fees are imposed um, then the Minister for Finance of the day will will have the power to make regulations to prohibit or indeed to cap access fees uh, should the status quo change. Okay, Minister, moving on to the health service and funding of it, um, the recruitment freeze. We're we're, we're hearing across, I suppose, news outlets this morning that that the HSE said this is causing them significant difficulties, that it's going to increase waiting lists, it's going to give poor poor value for money, in fact, and that people are going to be um, left with, I suppose, a substandard service. What do you say to that? There seems to be an ongoing issue with funding health. Well, the the Department of Health uh, and the HSE will um, embark on and will actually increase the number of staff working within our health service in 2024. And that's on the back of massive recruitment uh, since COVID and indeed um, last year as well, where I think about about a further 8,000 staff uh, were added, in in particular doctors uh, and nurses and other frontline healthcare professionals. And even this year, where uh, there is a, a moratorium in terms of certain recruitment, 
the overall number of staff working within the HEC uh, will increase across the year by around 2,000 yeah, people. Yeah, the, the recruitment freeze doesn't appear to affect frontline staff like doctors and, and nurses or midwives to the same extent. Is that an acknowledgement that management is top-heavy in the HSE? Well, it's an acknowledgement that there is a budget and uh, the budgetary parameters apply to health in the same way that they apply to other government departments. And, you know, we we have long recognised that budgeting in healthcare uh, is very challenging. Okay. lastly, Minister, um, RTE back in the news this week, the the report on the toy show, the musical and and the loss of 2.2 million euros of taxpayers' money associated with that uh, is about to be published. Um, You say that you think the TV licence is going to be in place for the rest of this year. Obviously, people aren't paying it. A a huge amount of of non-payment of the licence fee, a a hole in the funding of RTE. Is it viable, the TV licence going forward after this year, in your view? Well, most people are paying it. And, you know, even in the worst of times for I think the non-payment, though, has more or less tripled. It it has certainly increased. And, you know, that's not surprising, given the reputational damage that was done across last, last year. But for me, the important thing is that we have a sustainable source of funding, uh, not just for RTE, but for public service broadcasting and public service content generally. And, you know, even in the worst of times for RTE, around 130 million or so uh, will have been collected last year in uh, in terms of licence fee income. And my perspective on this is, um, is twofold. One, were you to remove any charge, uh, remove the licence fee, then uh, public service broadcasting will be entirely dependent on uh, annual funding from the Mm -hmm. Exchequer, from the government. I don't think that's a healthy position for public service broadcasting to be. Uh, And that's something that I would have uh, significant uh, concern about. And I think it's uh, a risk that we should guard against. Uh, And also the fact that in that scenario, you know, public service broadcasting would be be competing with uh, with healthcare, which we've just spoken about, with education, with other frontline services. And uh, I, I believe that that is not the position that we should have. There should be some annual charge. At the moment, it's the licence fee. Uh, I'm open to change and we will discuss that uh, in the weeks ahead. And I do think a decision uh, needs to be made. But until such time as it is replaced uh, with uh, an agreed charge of some kind, then the licence fee remains. And uh, if we want to have good quality public service When might we have that decision? Well, the government is is determined to move on that uh, in in the coming months and to make sure we put in place a plan uh, that ensures there is a sustain, sustainable funding base for public service broadcasting uh, into the future. But personally, I do not support 100% exchequer funding because I see the risks that are inherent okay. uh, in that. And I think that those risks uh, really should be avoided. Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, thank you very much for joining us. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.